Are you tired of people only telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Me too. I'm Lauren Lahav, and for the last 30 years, I've been blessed to speak to thousands of people around the world and share the stage with some of the world's biggest thought leaders. The Get Real podcast is my way of breaking down the BS of the filters of what we say and what we do. Real life, real issues, real solutions. Trust me when I tell you, it wasn't always like that for me. And I'm excited to help you through sharing what has worked for me, but most importantly, what didn't work for me. In the world of political correctness and living our lives on social media, what is real? In my life, I always look to people who understand what I'm going through and are willing to be real with me to help me move through it. With this podcast, I want to be that person for you. Whether it's just us or I bring in one of my friends, I promise these episodes will make a difference in your life. So strap in, hang on tight, and let's get real. And now it's time to get into the podcast. Here's Lauren. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Get Real and Stay True. Ready for another awesome, awesome, awesome episode with uh, one of my dear friends. As you know, I love to share my friends with the world. And this man, I think we were just talking, I think we've known each other for about 15 years. And Jason Cisnero, what can I say about him other than he is all heart? He's like a, a heart with legs. And when you're with him, you can just feel his passion and compassion just ooze out of him. Uh, he's an amazing daddy and just an amazing friend who is always cheering everybody on. I've, I've never met somebody who... I don't know, Jason, when I'm with you, I just feel like you actually really give a shit. You know, you actually really give a shit of what's going on in my life. Probably one of the most powerful interactions that I remember and I hold really dear to my heart was 10 years ago when we were in LA and we were standing at the convention center and uh, you knew what I was going through. I was going through my divorce and I swear you, it's like the whole world disappeared and you were just there for me. And that's why I wanted to make sure to, to have you on because this is all about really getting real. And uh, I am very honored to be your MC at the upcoming Unstoppable in Naples. And what cool freaking speakers. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Just hearing like when we were on that conference call and hearing from Ed, I was like, wow. Um, and then we, it was, it was I, I just can't even say how excited I am. So a little bit, I'd love if you would share a little bit about all the amazing projects you have going on. And uh, yeah, so tell the world. What if, first of all, <laughs> well, tell us, tell us your to, story. We have, we have been, known each other for 15 years. And one of the things that, I mean, I've said it, I say it probably a hundred times a year telling my, relating my first experience with you and, um, and the lead up to it, which was, you know, uh, I think that your listeners, I think most of the, one of the things that's really, really cool about your show um, is, is that people can listen to it and, and you're doing it as a work of passion, right? A work of heart. It's a representation of you. It's work that, that you're not getting paid for. It's work that, you know, that you put in um, and something that you wanted to get your voice out there. And I, I want to let everybody know uh, on the side, you know, on your side of the equation, like, I went through a really rough time and it was about 17 years ago when it started. I went bankrupt, uh, got a divorce. Um, you know, uh, my ex-wife ended up, um, being, you know, being pregnant with another man's baby. And like, it was, 
it was just, my life felt like it was falling apart. Matter of fact, it did fall apart to the point where I was, you know, ended up, uh, you know, and, and, and people's, when I say homeless, it happens gradually for people, you know, it, ha- it happened gradually for me. I lost my business and then I ran out of money slowly and then I got evicted. And then I was like, where am I going to sleep? And I was in Southern California and, you know, and eventually ended up on a beach kind of sleeping there. And there was a local restaurant and a homeless shelter that fed me. And that homeless shelter, I went there one day, Pastor Timmy, I'll never forget him. And he, and he said to me, uh, he said, Jason, he goes, you know, you seem different than most people that, that, that I see. And, and he said, uh, I'd like to give you two gifts. And he said, I want, I'd like to give you a Bible and I'd like to give you Tony Robbins' book. And, um, you know, and, he, and the Bible, those of you that, I guess they don't know my story, but I was a, abused, uh, my adopted father, I was adopted when I was six years old. My adopted father was very abusive and I started stepping in front of my mom when I was six years old to take, take her beatings and he broke my nose, you know, a dozen times or so. And, and um, you know, and eventually went to prison for attempted murder of me and my mom when I was 17 years old. And so that's kind of, you know, we all have stuff. Like that's the cool thing about people listening. It's not about my story. It's just about seeing yourself and other people's story that, that can champion it, right? That's what you do. Like all of the rough things that you've been through in your life and, and uh, the amazing mother, the amazing wife, the amazing leader, the amazing uh, um, a friend that you've been to so many people, uh, it, it comes down to seeing your story in somebody else's. So um, that's what happened. I ended up leaving that lifestyle. He was a bad guy. Uh, I ended up, he went to prison and I did what I knew. I dealt drugs and I collected money, you know, and that was my life. And then my son comes along and it was the same week he was born. And three days later, I got stabbed in the chest at my last drug deal, second to last drug deal. But, um, and, and it was that time when, when, you know, during those periods of time, my grandma always made sure I had a Bible and I read it not from a religious standpoint, but as a series of stories to, to kind of help. And it developed a, an imagination in me. And then there was my fourth grade teacher that knew my situation. She said, Jason, use your mind to, to use words, to transport yourself out of your situation. Right. And just little little things like this show is going to, it's going to interject into somebody's life and it's going to make a difference, right? And all of the shows that you do and all of your interactions. And, and so I grew up and then, and I went from that to, to becoming legit. You know, I went legit. I started a $6 an hour job, went to an $8 an hour job, started, started learning a trade, so on and so forth. But one of the things that I didn't deal with was the trauma that had happened to me in my life. I didn't deal with it. Um, I just stuffed it like most people do. You stuff it, you go, all right, you know, it happened. It's behind me. Or we turn it worse. We turn into a victim, you know, yeah. oh, poor me. and I had some of that going on. I had some poor me stuff going on where it was like, of course I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this way. I'm broke. I'm this and that. Um, but anyways, that led so to, what did, let me ask you, can I interrupt yeah. for a second? Because Please. what, I think there's a lot of people that can feel that way. You know, I was sharing a couple episodes ago, about I saw um, Bear Grylls who had climbed Mount Everest. Mm. And he said, everybody's got an Everest, right? right? Everybody's got an Everest. You, and like to get out of that situation to decide that you were going to make a change, mm-hmm. right? You knew it was going to be hard to make the change, correct? You didn't yes. know, you didn't think it was going to be easy because like you said, you did what you knew. Well, I had no and, idea what even change meant. Right. So how did you... What did you do? What did you decide? Well, the, what did- the, 
the idea, as soon as the knife went in my chest, and I've got this scar all the way across my chest where it happened, as soon as the knife hit my chest, I, I thought one of those Bible verses came back to me from my grandma, and, and it was the sins of the father born unto the children. And I immediately something clicked in my head that said, if I survive this, I'll be damned if my children are going to grow up the way that I grew up. And that, and that was the, 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 the impetus of the first change, you know, yep. and um, it, you know, the first series of changes and, and uh, uh, there's so many things before that, but that was the, the switch to say, I don't, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not doing this. Right. It was like a resolve in you too. Correct. Right. It's like, yeah. no, no way. I remember being that happening when um, my grandmother passed away and my grandmother was in a labored breathing coma. Mm. So she was holding on for my mom and my aunt to get there. And I remember when we got, she held on for 24 hours. <clears throat> and I remember being in the room, hearing the regret and the screaming and my mom and my, <clears throat> my aunt just kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about all these things. And I remember sitting in the corner go, oh, hell no, this will never happen to me. Right. <laughs> no way. I'm going to make sure that I'm current with my mom and that all of those things. And how has that affected your life? Just that one resolve that, you know. It, it, it's everything. It's the impetus. You know, I mean, I can point to about five places in my life that were, that were really transformational, you know. And, and, and again, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I was used to making good money. I was used to uh, being powerful, and, you know, I was, I mattered, you know, in, in, in the stuff that I was doing to going to, you know, shoveling a sump at a mine for eight bucks an hour to, you know, peeling up carpet that, that had dead rats and shit underneath of it. And, you know, and just, just thinking along the way, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be a better man and a better example for my son. But how did it get it also? And I, I know you've got a lot more to share, but I'm just so curious about this one thing because mm -hmm. You know, like you said, you were successful as something that you knew it wasn't good, but you were making a lot of money. I know mm -hmm. that, I know they talk a lot about that with, um, you know, people, I've talked to people that worked at prisons, right? And they talk about prison reform, but it's a whole, not just like here are people that lots of them are used to making great money. Like you said, selling drugs or doing whatever that it is. A friend of mine, she, uh, you know, had, had been in prostitution, not like her it turned out, you know, it was an unfortunate situation what happened. Um, but she goes, gosh, I had been in prostitution. And then when, when the, when the, it started as a date. Um, I'm sure you hear that it's happening all the time. I know that this is something very, very, very passionate about, mm -hmm. but she said, um, you know, one time she went on a date and then a couple weeks later, the guy took her to a nice dinner. Then they went on a vacation. Then the next thing he bought her a handbag. Then a couple months later, you know, he took the kids to Disneyland, then he bought her a house, and then the next thing she knew, she was a prostitute. So that's actually how it happened, you know. Mm -hmm. And then she was left a couple, you know, she was, she's like, I was, I was stuck. I couldn't get out and threatened my kids. He threatened me. And then, um, and then one day I was just beaten so badly that I, uh, she went and found support and she had to start over again. I get yep. a six hour, six dollar an hour job, like you said. Yep. So what, what, what was it that you had the courage to be so humble to start over? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is it that, what was it? Well, you know, I think everybody, it's funny because I think everybody's got somebody that they can refer back to as, as an example of who they would like to be. And for me, it was my grandfather and uh, I miss him still to this day so bad, but he, 
you know, he, he was an example of somebody who loved his wife, who, who loved his family, who worked as a boilermaker, you know, every single day got up and went to work and he was the guy. I mean, he would, he would come into the house and he would kidnap me and get me away from my adopted father and we would disappear for as long as we possibly could. He would take me out on, a, on, a, on the lake or, or camping or something just to get me out of that scenario. And, and in those times, I didn't realize all of the, the training and all of the, the example setting that was happening by him just loving, right? right. And so, so I had an example of somebody to look back to and go, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but, but my grandpa made it work. You know, he, he was a good man and, and he protected me and he protected my grandma and he, he loved me and my grandma's fierce, fierce love. You know, um, they couldn't do much. He, my, my adopted father held them at gunpoint multiple times and, you know, threatened them, but they didn't care. They kept coming back for me, you know? So it sounds like it was faith that you, and you had an example. You had somebody as a mentor that you knew it was possible, right? You knew that yeah. those people were out there that did make it work, yes. right? So, which I think has really, really shaped who you are. And tell us a little bit about the unstoppable movement. Well, it, it's, it, you know, you go from that, I went through all of those scenarios and then I ended up homeless, you know, in Southern California because I hadn't dealt with any of the, the, the stuff, you know, of, of thinking that this man, I thought he was my father the entire time. I didn't know I was adopted wow. until that literally the night that he was sentenced when I was 17, my mom took me out to dinner and she said, by the way, he's not your real dad. And I was like, What? Like this, that, that, what? <laughs> you know? And I asked her, I said, mom, why would you not tell me? And she said, Jason, she goes, if you would have known, cause I never raised my hand to my, my dad, right? I, he was my adopted father, but I never raised my hand to him because he was my dad. But, right. and she said, if you would have known Jason, you would have killed him. Yeah. And I would be dealing with you and, you know, in the system and in prison and so on and so forth. And I said, she's absolutely right. You know, she's absolutely right. So, so I went from that and then you go and you, you end up living your life and you don't deal with that stuff. And, and I ended up, um, you know, in Southern California and I went to that thing. I read Tony's book and from reading that book, I was walking down the street and, I, and the one thing I got out of it, it was Awaken the Giant Within, right? And, and, and what I got out of that book for all of the thickness of it was one thought, Right. It's in your moments of destiny where, or sorry, it's in your moments of decision where your destiny is shaped. And what that meant to me was I had to take personal responsibility, right? Where I was, my bank account, my relationships, my everything was because of the decisions that I was making. And so great loneliness and, and great clarity and great sadness, but it was at least I was going to start dealing with the problem that was instead of addressing the problem that wasn't. And that's what victimhood does to you. You're solving a problem that you can't solve because it doesn't exist, right? Unless you are captured, and we'll get into some of that other stuff, when you actually don't have freedom of choice. But, but I left that, and I was walking down the street one day, and I saw Tony's face on a yellow poster board. And you know, you've been around Tony since the day he started business, right? And, and there, he doesn't advertise like this, but I saw an advertisement that said, oh, you, know, um, unle you know, UPW, unleash power within, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, 350 bucks for a ticket might as well have been a million. And so I was like, I'm, I'm, I don't know why this man is coming to my life, but I'm going to go. So, uh, I went to the, to the beach. I found as much pot as I could from my, from the people that were down there. And I sold it until I had enough money to go to the event. 
And while I was at the event, um, you know, I had so many things changed for me, as you know, what happens in a UPW. And uh, at the end of it, they were, they said, you know, if you want to go and you want to sign up for uh, Mastery University, run to the back of the room and you'll get to meet Tony. And one thing that I had kept this entire time was a wallet that had all of my credit cards that are long since canceled, right? It's like it kept me connected while I was homeless to the fact that I used to be somebody, <laughs> you know? And so I had them in my wallet and, I, and I'm like, I run to the back of the room and back then they didn't have the swipers that take your money immediately, right? I, and they just had the machine and I said, put it all on this credit card and, and they, they did and I got to meet Tony. And while I was on stage, he was going by and I, and, you know, and, and he shook my hand and he, and he looked at me and I said, I said, I don't know what this means, but I'm going to pay you back for the life, the change in my life. And he went back and he, you know, he shook my hand with his big giant hands and he goes, I believe you. And I heard, I believe in you. And so for Tony to say that was like, you know. And uh, long story short, I left there, had enough money to get a red, white shirt, a red tie, blue pair of pants. And I went and got a job at a car dealership and um, started crushing it and eventually paid for Mastery University. And the first event that I went to was Life Mastery in Vieques, Puerto Rico. And at that first event, guess who I meet? I meet you, Right. And, you know, we all go out to dinner. And you're like, come out to dinner with us. Uh, you know, everybody here says, you know, good things about you. And I'm sitting right next to you and I'm telling you my story. And you're like, and I was at that point in time, I wanted to go to work for Tony, not to be a speaker because that was the last thing I ever wanted to be was a speaker, but to get a job there. And you picked up the phone and you called him and you said, hey, I've got this young man here and I think you should hire him. And, and he, you go, you're listening, listening and you go, hey. Okay, you put your hand over the phone. You said you got a job, and it's a speaker position, and you can come in and, and essentially audition for it. And I'm like waving you off. I'm like, I, I don't be a speaker. And you literally looked at me in the eye, and you go, "Don't be a pussy. Do you want the job or don't?" And you are one of the probably the only human being on the face of the planet that can get away with calling me that. And I was like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll take this. <laughs> to take it." You know, and so that led to me going in and and uh, and standing up, and we got the script, and and I forgot it all, and I did, you know, and I just said, look, I've forgotten the entire script, but let me tell you what Tony Robbins means to me. Hired me on the spot, and then you know, the rest is kind of history. So um, it's funny you know, because I remember that very well. Like it's like almost like it was. I remember, and it was funny was I actually was not going to go be at that life mastery, and a lot of great things happened that. Um, trip. I was with my friend Heidi um, at that. She was at that event as well. She decided to go to that event. And probably some of the, what some of my dearest friends were actually at that VAK's trip. But I think what it, what it did when I thought about you and when I, it was why I called is I felt your heart. You know, I remember years ago when, when Tony asked me to launch Life Mastery, I said, why'd you pick me? I said, you could have chosen anybody in the world. There's people with a lot more skill than me. And I go, I go, why me? And it's exactly what I thought of you. It's like, he, he said to me, Lauren, because I know you take care of these people. Mm. And I think with you that, like I just, when I introduced you, it's that same feeling. Like you'll take care of people. You know, mm. the skill shows up, right? We all know that the skill shows up when you need it. Yeah. But, but you always hear all the time, right? You don't want to just be top of mind. You want to be deepest in their heart. 
And that's really, I think, why you've created such a beautiful movement as well that people are excited to be a part of is because of that feeling of, um, you know, community. Well, and it all started, you know, with you and, and seeing that talent. And I just want everybody to know that listens to your show that whatever they can do to get around you, it's, you know, that they, they need to, it's a, it's a must. She changed the entire trajectory of my life and my children's life and my grandchildren's life. And, and it's all different because, because you cared, like you listened, right. Which is rare in this day and age, you listened and then, and you heard, and then you took action. And I was, I just will, I'll never be able to repay you for that. Oh. So, you know, anybody that needs stabbed in the eye, I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> uh, I'm writing that down because that's actually, it's interesting that you said that, right? There's a lot of, the, there are people that seem like they're listening, but do they really hear what you're saying? Right. And, right. I, I, and, and I love what you just said, you know, that, that really is how I live my life. I listen, I heard and take action. And yeah. sometimes people hate me for that. Cause I like grab that phone out right away. And they're like, no, 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 not right now. Well, right? They're, used to, they're used to people accepting their excuses. And I mean, even up until, I don't know how many years ago was five years ago at a date with destiny where you saw me and you're like, Jason, you're not fucking playing full out. And I'm like, Get out of my life, asshole! Like uh, I, was- <laughs> I remember it was in a, it was in a um, integration. Yeah, right? and you were like, and I knew I was like, it was easy for you to pretend. It was easy for people to go, oh yeah, yeah, I got you know, oh yeah, yeah. The, the, and I'm like, and I was watching you, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to let him off the hook easy. Yeah, you know, and like I think like you're right. Like a lot of times, we just we don't either. We're so. Uh, people are going to be upset of what they said. It's like, I, I waited a couple days for it to put up the whole thing about JLo and Shakira. I waited yeah. a couple days. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, I was just waiting to see the comments that people were making about the whole thing. And I was like, wait a minute, hang on a second. Uh, here's what I saw. Like going back to like, what did I see? Yeah. Right. And we always talk about, you know, you get what you focus on. Yeah. So I saw two badass women you know, that were work there, work hard, work hard. And I know friends that personally know both of them mm-hmm. and that work hard, that are huge, they're, um, you know, J-Lo, an amazing mama, um, you know, and huge, you know, I know Shakira does a lot of contribution work that we don't even know about. Um, and that's what I saw. And, you know, so when somebody else wrote, well, I saw it as disgusting. As I was, I'm like, I, we totally agree to disagree. Right. Yes. But, um, well, it's anyway. because you see, you see in the world what's inside of your heart, and you know, and and that's that's really a, a you know, I, I was undercover for the, I missed the whole thing, right? I mean, I was undercover. We were doing work to to rescue, um, you know, abducted little girls that were being used in the sex like sex trade. Yeah. And, and when I came out, I'm like, you, the, the entire world went fucking nuts over somebody. JLo is a badass. I, you know, oh. Shakira is, they're both fucking gorgeous. They're, they both work their ass off. I mean, for JLo to look like that at 50, good for her, you know? Hey, I've been three times to Orange Theory this week, and I'm like, and I remember when I was talking to a friend of mine that works with her. He was actually one of the very first podcasts that I did. His name's um, David Kirsch, and he works with JLo, trains her, and he's like, Do you girls really want to know what it takes to be, you know, like JLo? He goes, She works, it's not an hour. It's six to seven hours a day, yeah. you know, and you can't, so- fake, you can't fake that shape. And there, you know, you, I saw a lot of the things I never responded to any of, but I was like, well, they're like, oh, you know, they're, 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 
um, you know, the, the plastic surgeons are really happy about all this stuff. And I'm wow. like, because those are, that's what they see. They're, they're representing what's in their heart wow. by saying, I take shortcuts. And that's what I see on that screen. You look at it and you go, I know what it takes to be that kind of shape. And, and I work my ass off and, and, you know, yeah, great doctors and vitamins and being rich and all that, that helps, but, but it still doesn't re- replace the work. Yeah. You still have to get to the gym, right? You I, re- I respect to- the work. I don't care who you are. Exactly. So let's, let's, I, I love it. You know, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you just, what just happened and you were talking about the whole sex trafficking. Um, I know it's a huge challenge. I even texted you this week because I was worried yeah. about a little kid from um, Asher's school, yeah. you know? Um, what Could you share a little bit about just yeah. how we can have more awareness about this? What yeah. You know, awareness is, is awesome. And, and here's one of the things like, you know, the, the things that I advocate for have one thing in common and that they're true victims. They've had choice ripped away, right? They're true victims. And, and that means um, a domestic violence situation. I, you know, I, I hear it all the time. I watched my mom go through it. He, she tried to leave. He would kidnap me. He would t- uh, hold uh, his, her, her parents at gunpoint. I mean, it's a, it's a, a no-win situation. I mean, I remember him chasing. She was running to the police station in a Volkswagen bug, and we were driving fast, and he was behind us in, a, in an international harvester pickup truck. And as we approached the police station, he rammed the side of the car and we flipped over, you know, three or four times, landed on the grass of the police department. And we get out, she's bleeding out of her ear. My nose is busted and swollen up, you know, bleeding. And, and we get out and he's out by yelling and screaming and, and, um, she's and the, the police officer literally looked her in the eye and goes, what did you do to piss him off? Wow. You know? And, and, and I, that stuck with me for the rest of my life. And, th- and that taught us law enforcement is no friend to domestic violence situation. That was what it taught us. But then you fast forward to when, it, when, when he actually went to prison, law enforcement was our best friend, right? And it, it was a change in dynamics of the time as it went by, right? Um, but but you, you look at that. And so I advocate in that area, kids that are starving, they're not choosing to starve. You know, they're children. And, and those types of things. And then the sex trafficking, which is kids that are abducted, um, runaways that get, that get um, tempted and, and, and lured into being utilized in that way. Uh, and so this was one of those arenas I've worked. This was my 20th mission. Wow. And, um, and, and I've been all over the world for these rescues. And, and uh, uh, this one is around the Super Bowl because, unfortunately, it's the biggest day biggest week really of in the world when it comes to trafficking and you have these traffickers, these pimps, whatever you want to call them to gather up as many kids as they possibly can. Um, and, and they, and what they do is they have them in, in the area three cities really is where it focuses on whatever city the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas is a big city. And then usually Atlanta. Um, and, and so we go undercover and we do the work that we do. Um, and, and we, we rescue, we rescue girls. I mean, I don't, I can't go into a lot of the details, but, um, you know, this team that I was on this time, uh, was CERT Ministries, uh, led by Pastor Rudy Gonzalez, uh, who is an ex-force, uh, force recon Marine. 
and these, and I was surrounded by law enforcement. I'm, you know, I was the only ex-criminal on the team, which I usually am, <laughs> but, uh, you know. But, but it probably I, serves as an advantage too, because you might know things that. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I, I was like, you know, there's many times, I mean, I go back to the one that, you know, the, the rescue that we did in Haiti, that Tony Robbins went on with us, you know, he, yep. Tony Robbins undercover is a hilarious thought, but you know, he, he <laughs> went with us and some of the stuff that I saw there and, and my thought process is, Hey, here's what I would be doing. If you guys were in this neighborhood here, yeah. here's how we staked out. We had lookouts and they didn't look like lookouts. They looked like kids. They looked like, you know, women that were walking like their lookouts. There's a, an entire system to it. So that that's why I got invited to the first one. And that's, that the skill set has been very, very helpful to law enforcement uh, along the way. But, um, you know, and, and we go and, and we don't sleep very much. I think in six days, we've got about seven hours of sleep. We don't eat very well. And we're following down leads and, and tracking down little girls. And so what are some ways that people, what are the warning signs or what are some of the, I don't even know if this is a good question to ask you. I mean, but just yeah. what can you, I mean, you see in the bathrooms, I know everywhere that I go, you know, you go in the bathroom and it's like, if you are, if it's happening to you, call this number, um, every, everywhere, you see it everywhere. And like, I, but what can we do to be more aware? I, you know, at my badass and beautiful events, I have somebody come in and teach awareness. And it's one of these guys who, you know, that used to work with him. And he says that you need to be your best, you know, um, you need to be your best executive protection person for yourself. And it starts with awareness. And unfortunately now because of phones and because of all the distractions or, you know, he teaches all the ladies, some of the things they could do to protect themselves, just, you know, just proximity wise. But what about emotionally um, preparing yourself like for your kids and what to, and social media wise is, are there things you could share about that? Yeah, well, let me focus in on kids first because that's who we go rescue. We read uh, the I special, you know, my I and the teams that I've um, specialized in are eighteen and under uh, rescues. And uh, one of the things that I will tell you is for parents, invade your children's privacy. You know, because they are, you know, I guarantee you that one of your if you have a daughter um, and she's you know anywhere from the age of six years old to to 18 years old and they have Snapchat or a cell phone, I guarantee you they've been contacted in some, in some way, shape or form by a trafficker. And Snapchat is one of the worst ones. You know, there's apps out there now that you can download that will mirror and match um, your children's phones, any messages, any apps, any things that you can. So download those apps, find out how you can get involved in your children's digital life because you know, a, a large percentage of what we see happen, it was a long-term grooming of a child that has a, an, a, a grievance with their parent. And there's no such thing as a child that doesn't have a grievance with their parent at some point in their life, right? right. They feel like they're not pretty. They feel like they're not wanted. They feel like they don't have choice. They feel like they're not rich enough. They feel like they're not pretty enough. They feel like what all of the things that social media is doing to damage our children's self-esteem is, is one thing. So keep that invade their privacy on a consistent and permanent basis. Right? So that, that's one thing I would say. Second thing I would do is I would do everything that I could as a parent to build the self-esteem of your child, you know, spend time. Don't just push them off and have them be in front of a screen somewhere or abdicate your role 
as a leader, don't be a friend, be a leader in your child's life to, to make sure that you're, you're engaged with loving them and letting them know, not just, Hey, you're pretty because then that leads up, you know, or Hey, you're smart. It's you're a hard worker. You're a good person, right? And take them on things to, to help children that have cancer and, and let them know their self-worth from just loving them so deeply that if, if somebody tried to come out of the woodwork and tell them, Hey, you're really pretty. You go, look, I don't need that. I, my dad loves me. My mom loves me. They, like, I, I know I'm beautiful. I know I'm strong. I know I'm powerful. I know I'm wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things God, I just, it, it makes me almost instantly cry. There was an, there was a, um, a scenario where that we had on this last, um, this last rescue and, it'll stick with me forever. There's always something that stands out when we do these rescues and it's very difficult for me to get through without uh, tearing up. But, um, you know, we, it was the last, the last one that we were on and this, this little girl had run away from home and uh, abuse from a stepfather and, you know, and these types of things. And, and we figured out where she was and we surrounded her and, and the person that was, that was there to, you know, acting as, as her pimp, right? And um, we kept him there until law enforcement got there, but it was very, 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 very cold out that day. And she rolled down the windows. We were waiting um, for them to show up. And she asked one of our operators, she said, um, aren't you freezing out there? You know, and he goes, yeah, of course I am. And she goes, you haven't moved this entire time. It was like an hour and a half, right? And he goes, well, I'm not going anywhere. And she goes, this is, I can't believe that this is all for me. You know, and, and he goes, Oh baby girl, you've got 33 people that have been tearing the world apart because they love you and they don't even know you. And wow, it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those, those moments where you, where you think that this little girl has felt unloved, unwanted, abused, uh, taken advantage of. And, and, and for the first time she's surrounded by, powerful man. And, and one of the, and pastor Rudy got a chance to talk to her and he said, you know, and, and the, one of the women operators are the ones that stay in contact with them, you know, and they're telling her you're loved. We're praying for you. The, one of the, one of the the ladies took a Bible to her and like, while we're waiting for all this stuff to happen and pastor Rudy got to sit with her and say, look, I'm going to only say one thing. I'm sorry for the men that have been in your life. I'm sorry we're not all like that, you know, and, and we love you and we care about you and we want to be with here with you as you, you know, get back involved in the world. And, and, and it's, it's that sense that you should be transmitting to your children so that they never have to go seek that out in people that, that utilize it as manipulation. Well, I'm make me cry. (laughs) I, I just, you know, I mean, like you said, like that whole feeling of like, feeling wanted right like in like just knowing that how have you been able to keep in touch with her have you heard from her since then have you have you well what happens is they get you know they get moved on to some other really great people to help the transition back into a normal life and um you know they get counseling they get protection they get you know they there's there we're we're kind of the frontline people and right. um and then you know there's a whole bunch of recovery on the on the back end of that. But I think, like you said, too, it's really important to just 
listen, but really hear. Like even me personally, you know, um, I, I mean, I think sometimes we like, and I love personal development, but I also think that lots of times we try to get people to change it, you know, change it so quickly instead of just like, okay, what's really going on? Like my daughter was really stressed at the school. I thought that it was going to be a great school for her. Where mm -hmm. she went, I heard it was a great school and she was stressed out. And yeah. she's like, mom, she goes, I need to, you know, I need, I need, I need to go talk to somebody. I'm like, oh, Asher, you know, we got this. And then I'm like, she really needed to go talk to somebody. You know yeah. what I mean? She really needed to go like express how she was feeling. So like you said, what can we do as parents so that they're really heard? I mean, for me, I, I've really set some big time boundaries in my life. You know, I work from 10 to two, like that's my hunker down time. And then after that, I'm with Asher, you know, yeah. we get, we got two hours and we're not going to like, we're not going to like, I'm not taking her to you know, an activity to do. I'm with her, like right. you said, so that she feels wanted or her brother's getting ready to move to Oregon. And so once again, you know, sometimes that even just like those dynamics can happen when a kid moves away, right? Like an older brother, or older sister, and a feeling of abandonment, maybe just in, in or a divorce, or do you see, do you hear that? Do you hear about those things sometimes? Yeah, you, you hear really it's, you know, in divorces, divorce is a little bit different because there's so many scenarios of divorce, right? So, I mean, a lot of times divorce is a good thing, you know, and, and really the idea is, is that, I mean, I did a, a on my, my show, the bald adventure show, I brought my ex-wife on, you mm -hmm. know, and, and had her and we, we talked about a lot of this stuff and we're, she's like one of my best friends, you know, yeah. and, and the issue was we decided at the very beginning, you know, whatever the, the, the emotional points are for us of why we're splitting, our children are going to have a solid foundation to know that they have two children that love them. Right. And, and that's the core. I mean, um, Lauren, if I was to ever say like, what is the core? It's love. And, and it's, and it comes across, I mean, because it's, it's weakened a lot in our society. Oh, I love you. You got to love your neighbor. You got love is fucking dangerous. Love is love is fucking action. Love is, 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 is hard. It, 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 it demands of us to swallow our own pride, to show up and to love somebody that is appearing unlovable. And, and it's that, that really powerful, strong, love that our children when they feel it it's not so much as there's a book out there to teach you how to be a great parent it's just fucking love your kids right. you know get give them what you didn't have give them what you wanted maybe when you were a child and i'm not talking about money or things and you know stuff like that it's that presence my daughter tells me my seven-year-old daughter tells me all the time daddy i am so glad that you're my daddy right and, and every time I hear it, like it's unprompted and it's like, ah, rips my heart out because that's all I want for her. Yeah. It's for her to know daddy loves you. Daddy would burn the fucking world down to protect you. Yeah. You know? I, I hear you. And I, I, you know, I know that every time my parents, I know my parents love me. And the one thing was I wanted time with them, you know, yeah. And my dad was always working. So I'm like, I'm going to freaking be an entrepreneur if no matter what. So I set my own times. Like that's what inspired me to, you know, start my own businesses and have, do it on, do life on my terms, you know, with regards to now my boys, you know, and I'm sure Asher as well. But look, I mean, look at them. Like Joss went and he took a job and he's like, no, life on my terms. Now he's doing 
video work and for a few, you know, companies are hiring him and Quinn with his Instagram and just work. He actually was down there um, at the Super Bowl, you know, working yeah. the, working all the events and being at the X games and designing his life. And I'm like, yes, finally. Your, right. I was able kid, to do your that. Your kids are amazing. I mean, <laughs> it's just such a reflection. I mean, your boys and, and Asher, like, it's just, they're so there. It's such a pleasure to see them grow up, to see, the men that the, that your boys have, have become and and your daughter the the princess that she is like it's, it's it's really impressive but that's but what you just said i mean you know kick, kicking back over to what you asked me before this unstoppable platform that we're building it's you know i my consulting company anton j global what we do is we help good our motto is we help good people make more money get more time so they can do more good right thought, you know if somebody comes to us and they want another Lamborghini or a bigger house. I'm, I'm happy for them if that's what they're after. But true happiness in life comes from getting to be the best person you can become so that you can serve other people. And if you miss that next piece, you can become the best that you want to be and you're going to be a self, self-absorbed asshole who everybody hates, right? If you don't get the idea that the reason why you read books, the reason why you make money, the reason why you keep yourself in shape, the reason why you develop deep relationships. The reason why you do all of that shit is because you are here to interact and to serve people that need your interaction. Yep. And if yep. you miss that, you're living in misery. Yep. You, don't get to, you don't get to experience progress unless you're bringing other people along with you. Yep. You don't right. get to. So Unstoppable was, you know, I, 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 I the, the people that follow me in Misfit Nation, right, that follow me through the Bald Avenger show, and um, we talk about this a lot, but at the end of the day, I have been complaining about speaking events and whatnot, just being um, a, a cattle call and, and people just, you know, you're, there's, a, there's a price tag on your head when you walk into most events to see how much shit that they can sell you that you're never going to fucking use. And, and I complained about it, complained about it, complained about it. My team told me one day, they go, Jason, don't you coach everybody else to, if you're going to bitch about something, to go do something about it? Mm. The last thing I ever wanted to do at this period of my life, I just sold all my companies. I, you know, I really lo- love throwing myself into philanthropic work for my life. And, and the last thing I ever wanted to do was to create an event. But they called me on my bullshit. And they're yeah. like, Jason, you've been complaining about it. I'm like, fine, fuck it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to build Unstoppable. And it's going to be ca- called Unstoppable Growth Conference. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to bring in real speakers that are heart-centered, that are kicking ass at what they do in life, and they're not going to sell from stage. You know, they're, they're, they're going to give original content, and they're mm-hmm. going to do it from this perspective. One is, I'm going to teach, they're going to teach the people that are on Unstoppable Stage, they're going to teach what they would teach their younger self so that they could avoid those pitfalls. They're going to teach what are they doing right now that is making them money, keeping them physically fit, keeping them mentally strong, and and, uh, and helping them develop relationships. And then what do you see coming in the future? And that's going to be the message. Now, if you're in the audience and somebody comes up on stage, right, and, and they're looking for marketing or whatever it is, the, 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 the value will be delivered to you and you will seek that person out to hire them if, if you can. Right. Right. That's right. what's going to happen. We'll do it from the perspective of, of being on stage. We'll be like, look, here's how you contact them. Da, 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 da. But it's not a sales pitch. Right. right? We don't yep. care. You know, we're going to sell tickets. 
We're not going to give them away. We're going to sell tickets and the, money, the event is going to make money or it's not. I put $2 million of my own money on the table this year to, to, to put this platform on the, on the map. And it's either going to succeed because people are tired of being sold bullshit or it's going to fail miserably and I will have lost a little bit of money along the way. But I will have said I did my best <laughs> to stop whining and bitching and moaning and I did it the way that I thought it should be done. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I just love it. It's kind of like when you were there and I knew you weren't playing full out with regards yeah. to you doing that exercise. You're like, okay. It's just it's another it. example of Warren, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm speaking to, but, but me too, but me too, but me too. I will just yeah. say, but me too. You know, yeah. like, I mean, for myself, I'm like, I think probably what's held me back in a lot of ways is like, oh my God, I don't want to just be seen as somebody who's just, who's selling uh, you know, a program or yeah. this or that. It's like even being with like the events that I do and it's like, oh, make it bigger. I go, I just want to add value. You know, right. I just did a, a cleanse last, you know, with a, a group of 10 women. And I, and I was like, if it makes money, whatever, but at least people will walk out of there. But at least I know I'm still out there doing what I need to do and always so doing let, a day of let contribution. Me, let me flip the coin for you, Lauren, because here's the thing. If, if somebody wants to improve their life, uh, their health, their relationships, their their financial position, and, and, and they expect to get that shit for free, they're high. You know what yeah. I mean? Like people should go, holy shit, Lauren's done this with her life. How big of a check can I write her? You know what I mean? To get her in my life because she's got that information that I need that can get me to that next level, right? There's, there, it's, it's just how is it done and how is your competence displayed? You've changed so many fucking lives. You should be charging a million dollars a year for anybody that wants to talk to you, right? And that's me vouching for it. You know, I, I, I've done the same thing in my life. I've found people where, that were where I wanted to be, whether they were a coach or they weren't. And I've said, I, how much is it for me to have you in my life? I paid over $30,000 a month for the last nine years of my life to a woman who is my business coach. And she is one of the wealthiest people on the planet and she will never let me say her name. And, you know, hopefully someday she will, but, but it's, but it's been so valuable to me along the way that I can't, I, I would pay double that. I hope she's not listening to this, but you know, I, but, and she doesn't coach anybody else. She never did. I just yeah. said, Look, what would it take? And she came back to me at a time when I couldn't fucking afford $30,000 a month. Right. And she said to me, here's what it is. And I called my, my business partner, Carlos. And I go, look, he goes, Jason, nine months from now, if you do that, we're broke. And I was like, I don't give a shit. We're doing it, you know? And, and wow. so the value of having the right person, and, and we have a hashtag that floats around, uh, you know, the, the Misfit Nation world called the hashtag the right hard work. Because a lot of these people that are out there, they're great marketers. But if you dig in, like if you dig into my life, you're going to see I've owned over 40 companies. I've turned around over 100. Like there's a lot of of actual competence in working with companies. And, uh, you know, and I have a consulting company that we still help companies. I don't do the work. I've got a, a assassin team of, of people that do the work, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's finding those right people and being able to add value to them in whatever way. My monetary is one way, uh, service to them is another pitching into their charities is another to get them in your life is something that is a hundred percent a must. So, 
that's uh, I just wanted to flip that coin a little bit. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm blushing, if you would, but uh, but you know what? It's interesting because it's it's true because it's like the, it's that it's that part of knowing it. Like I'm like I know I'm worth that. It's just getting it back. Like you, you just talked about forty companies in like it's in not a lot not a long time. No. I mean, how long have you? 40 companies in how many years? Since, since I mean, 15, 14 years? Two, years, two years after I knew you. So, you know, 13 years. So what made you just go, I'm going for it. Like what made you decide I'm going to freaking start companies, build companies, find that what, 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 what was it that gave you certainty that you knew that you had this? What was it? Well, it, it, it took, you know, it, it, it took, Look, before I, I went ho- was homeless, I had some successful businesses and I crashed them, three of them. I went bankrupt three times. And the good thing about that was I kept my notes from that. And then I went on the road with Tony Robbins and I was exposed to all the greatest business minds on the planet, plus Tony, right? right. And so I, I interviewed everybody. I asked questions. I would tell people, I'll come do your dishes tonight. Just talk while I wash. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I laid that over it and I said, here's, and I sat down, it was after, I can't remember when, which maybe it was the first uh, date with destiny I went to. And I looked at my life and I said, I want to have all my time to myself. I want to have enough money so that back then it wasn't about really service and doing the stuff that I do now, but I want to be able to, and I don't want to have to be there to do it. And so I began to design what my mind had created and, and I took that system and I said, okay, here's all my failures. Here's what I've learned from successful people. And here's my system. And I started doing it one after the other. And then the third piece of that that was radically important to me was I went and I, and after a couple, I had three businesses, I believe, and it was still taking a lot of my time. And I thought, okay, this isn't producing the result. So I put it out to my employees and I said, look, anybody that can poke a hole in my, my operation systems, all the things that you guys are operating under, then I, there's a bonus in it for you, you know, mm. and, and they ripped it to fucking shreds. It cost me $130,000 Lauren at a thousand dollars a pop. That's how many mistakes were in my system. Wow. And wow. it was the best money that I could have ever invested because this exit that I just went through was a direct proportion to that day for me to decide to allow the people that were working in the system to improve it. Wow. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting because when I when I'm listening to you, there's a couple things that come up. One is a, a Joss, I mean not Joss Quinn just got back from um, from the X Games, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, mom, I owe you a big apology." He goes because I used to always say, "You talk to everybody. You talk to the Uber driver. You talk to freaking the waitress. The first thing you ask is their name and like ask yeah. their whole life story." Yep. He goes, "Now I get it." And he goes, "Like every time I'll come home from a trip, I'll send somebody a thing." And he goes, "I get it." He goes, "Oh my gosh, I meant like." some of the best people in the world, the best athletes, the photographers, the, you know, the people working in the restaurant. I'm like, dude, I go, that's why I moved to, you know, Vail after I graduated from college. That was better education for me to get to know people. But uh, the other thing that I was going to say was about the systems things, because even before you can talk leadership, you have to have a system for people to follow, right? Like military is a great example of it, right? Like mm-hmm. not everybody has to know the system. I was talking about when Z was watching, you know, as you know, he was in the special forces with the Israeli army and he was talking about this video, um, this, this documentary they had done on his unit 20 years later. And the first in command was taken out. The second in command was taken out. The third in command was taken out. Fourth, fifth, sixth. 
the kid that was in uh, to save the rest of the kids was the radio operator. Mm. The kid was in charge of the radios. Yeah. That was because of the great systems yep. that they he was able to take those other kids out for safety. And I think that, like you just said, like refining your systems is the most important thing, right? Or the founder, right? The movie about McDonald's. Right, McDonald's has a system, and every McDonald's follows that same system. And you wonder why why it's successful. Really, it's because of the real estate, as we know. But there's a system, right? What, well, and, what, and there's this, and people don't buy systems. What they buy is easy pills. Yeah. You know, and and they're shocked when the fucking easy pill doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, here's what you're gonna do to drive your name to the top of Google. It's only one fucking piece of about 190 things that you have to do. And, and if you don't have those 190 things structured, and that's why Anton J, which is my company, right? That's why we're so successful. We build systems for people. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, you should be great. Look, you should be great at what you do. What we do is help people be better at how they do it, right? And, and, we've, and it's been shocking to me at the companies that you see because what happens is as a business owner, you're the center of the world. And, and people come to you, your, your spouse, your kids, your, 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 your church, your, your community, uh, your, your employees, everybody's looking to you to have the right answer. And what we forget as business owners, we don't have the fucking answer. Like the, the issue is we built our company to the level that it is right now based on our level of competency. If you want it to be bigger, you have to learn something new. And you have to have a system that has embedded in it incremental progress. You know, and everybody's out here trying to hit the home run and, you know, I, oh my God, like I had a conversation with somebody just the other day that was, that was like, oh, you know, I'm doing this social media thing. And I was like, look, you know, what's, what's the, what, how much time do you put into social media? And he's like, oh my God, I put in like eight hours a day. Right. And he's, and he's also got a, a, a printing company. And I said, all right, cool. So you put in eight hours a day into social media because you're building up this, this uh, persona to sell a program. I said, how much money does your printing business make you? He goes, well, you know, it used to make me a lot more, but, uh, but we're still at around a million bucks a year. And I go, cool, eight, 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 eight hours a day. How long have you been building your social media presence? He goes, three years, solid. I go, how much money have you made there? And, and he looks at me and he goes, probably $150,000. And I'm like, this is a problem in the marketplace where people are spending so much time to be fucking famous that they forget that they have something in their own backyard that is, look, my businesses that I owned, what were they? They were commercial janitorial companies. They are, uh, I, the one that I kept is a porta potty business. You, uh, a car, full service car washes, shit that nobody else wants to do. It's not sexy, right? And, and it made me very, it, it made me very well off doing the shit that nobody else wanted to do. And we live in a society. Literally shit that nobody wanted to do. Literally bodies. shit that nobody wants to do. <laughs> and it made me a shitload of money. You know, <laughs> we, we could keep going with this, you know, but, but at the end of the day, um, you know, people are trying to be famous and they're putting a lot of time into social media and social media is, you know, it's a great tool in your tool belt. Exactly. hundred things that you should be doing. Exactly. You know, and it's funny, like if you, like, I remember years ago, I used to, um, I was working and I was saying to people, look, the job of social media is for connections. It's, it's like your job is to create relationships. You know, it's, it's nice that it's turning into marketing things, but you know, don't forget about like 
the, what do they say? Concepts are constant techniques vary. So yes. I, I, I love belly to belly. You know, yeah. that's probably why it was important for you to do an event, just right. FYI, because yeah. you are so amazing belly to belly with people, mm. right? And that's people want to get close to you and, and in your network. That's why you're doing um, the other philanthropic events that you do, right? Yeah. That's, that's the belly belly part of it that makes it, I have something, this might be a little controversial, but I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. And um, you I mentioned, I know, that's why we're <laughs> here, right? You know, I think that, um, I think that, you know, you were raised even through all of the, the, the trauma that you went through and the hard times, you kept saying that a big defining moment for you was um, what you got from the Bible. Yeah. You know, and I know for me, like, at least I always knew that that was somewhere, a church, a synagogue or something that you could at least go home to. Yeah. Um, it feels that so many people are lost right now mm. and looking for, uh, like, they're just like, where do I go? Do I go to there? Do I go there? And they don't have that base. Yeah. You talk a little bit about whether it's a church, whether it's a, a boys club or whatever, for people to feel like they have somebody, I don't think that people feel like they have that safe space to come home to. Yeah. Just, it, well, it, it, it's because the secular world has done it the best job that it could to, uh, to destroy religion. Because if there's no higher power to answer to, then it comes down to they become the higher power. Our government, our police, our, you know, and, and, and I, mean, I love law enforcement, but, but what I'm saying is, that these governmental people that, that want to develop, they, they know better and they want to control your life. Well, if there's a God or if there's Jesus or if there's Muhammad or if there's, you know, a, whatever religion you happen to be, if there's something above that, now, now they're not the ultimate authority, right? And, and that is a, a big piece of gaining control of people's lives is to cause division, just like we live in today with Democrats and Republicans and you know, the, the absolute hatred of the other side, you know, when, when it's nonsense, that's what happens when you lose your connection to God. Now, I am not a very, I'm not a religious person, um, but I am, I know there's a God, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and, and I am very, very conscious of the fact that I'm not him or her. You know, that's mm -hmm. the, that's no, the but I love, but I, it still goes back to what you said earlier. I have five pages of notes um, is, you know, what you see in the world is what you see in your heart, you know, like what, and I think that that's the question people should really be, you know, when they, when they judge situations or when they make a comment, you know, be really be thinking like, what am I seeing right now? And what is in my heart? And is that something I need to take a look at? You know, yeah. and, we, and we live in a day and age. And I think this is another important point for unstoppable. And what I've seen with my you know, with the misfit nation and all of us coming together, we're at a tipping point where hate could very easily throw us back into the dark ages. Yeah. You know, and, and love and commitment and, and intellect and, and caring about our fellow man and our fellow, you know, fellow woman uh, are, are the things that will tip us over. And I think we're, we're winning the battle on the good side, but yep. you know, We've got to throw as much as we can because there's a lot of control that people are losing right now because things are being decentralized. You yep. know, governments are being decentralized. Communication is being decentralized. Education is being uh, decentralized. Communications are being decentralized. It's 
they're losing their power at the top and they're freaking the fuck out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, but I was talking to someone, I was like, they were talking about that, you know, this unraveling had to happen. It had to, you know, it had, yeah. it had to happen. So if it wasn't, if it, so it's a, it's a good thing that it's happened this way. So, and the question is like, you know, are we, do we, how are we going to stay awake? So, yeah, you they know, hate, they hate Trump, whether, whatever you believe about Trump, they hate, I say they, I mean, there's people that hate Trump. There's people that love him as well, you know, and, uh, and, and at the end of the day, you, you look at why is he so relevant? And it's because he just says what's on his mind. He, you know, he's not polished like a politician to bullshit us and tell us what we want, which is lure, lure, it's lulled us into a sleep to abdicate our civic duty, right? And our civic duty, if you go back to the, the founders, the civic duty was to go and it was supposed to be a sacrifice to go and whether it was the military or the government for you to take a period of your life and to go dedicate it to service and then to go back to your life and set no laws against yourself, right? Yep. And yep. what has happened now is they go and they stay and they built up this, this thing that we, that we fought against to get away from England, right? Is this oligarchy, this, this level of, of uh, things? Well, you know, I don't know if you know this, but um, I was talking to a friend of mine who was very big. My high school was very big in the ROTC unit. We had one of the largest um, ROTC units. And I mean, people were like, they couldn't wait to get in the program. And it's the first time ever that they might have to close the ROTC. They might have to stop the ROTC. I was was in Army ROTC in college, Um, not because of anything other than I wanted to like, I wanted to understand, you know, and I wanted to, and I wasn't smart enough to get a, to an academic scholarship and I definitely wasn't going to get an athletic scholarship, but I was like, oh, I'm going to apply for the, I was the first girl for Western North Carolina ever to get an Army ROTC scholarship. Oh, and what oh, wow. was, but what the, and it was, it was pretty cool. It was like kind of like private Benjamin, but mm-hmm. I remember when, um, Poland, no, no, when General Schwarzkopf spoke at one of Tony's programs, and they asked him, did he think that everybody should have to be in the armed services? And he says, I don't think that everybody should have to be in the armed services. He goes, but I do believe everybody should have to earn the right to be an American, whether that's be volunteering at a, at a you know, at a hospital or going and volunteering to do this somewhere or whatever that it is. So there's a sense of like pride. I don't know about you, but my husband, he's so cute at the, at the game, um, at the, when the Super Bowl or any football game happens and he's like, just can't wait for, you know, um, for, for when the, when the um, blue angels, you know, just go flying and he just starts to, he cries and it's the most beautiful thing, right. Just to, to see that pride, like, and here we are. And, and he's, you know, in the way that he holds himself, I mean, you know, the, the, you could just see he has that. And, and, and you, you don't have that if you haven't served anybody but yourself. Right. You know? And that's basically that. what we're talking about. That's what yeah. we're coming around to. Yeah. And right? if, if you've not served anybody but yourself, you're going to be a selfish bastard and it's going to be, you want to go where the easiest route is. Right. I've, you know, I have conversations. I have a lot of, I get accused of being liberal and I get accused of being, you know, a uh, uh, right wing, like, you know, this, this uh, conservative and I'm in the middle, like literally I want, what I want to do is I want to hear both sides. I want to have that conversation because I believe that the human, the thing that makes us different than all other animals is our ability to hold two concepts in our mind and to be able to compare them against each other 
and make the best decision. And maybe that best decision is a combination of that of that content. Right? Absolutely. You know, my my parents raised me, though, you know, the I mean, I grew up in the South, you know, as a little Jewish girl in the South. Mm-hmm. My parents would say to us, the worst thing you can be is be ignorant. Right. Yep. So like you said, you have to understand. So I went to churches where they spoke in tongues to Holy Rollers, to, you know, Billy Graham uh, revivals, to mm. synagogues, to mosques. I mean, so at least I understood and appreciated. Right. right. So it's just being that, you know, being willing to sit and listen and go, OK, does this make sense? Well, we've been going for I can't believe it's been going on for an hour. I love it. Um, I love, you know, that I was going to title this one, The Right Hard Work because I think that's really what it is um, that you talk about in that hashtag and really want people to do that. Yep. What, um, what are some things that you do to stay true to yourself? Two or three things that you do to stay true to yourself. Well, it was, it was um, an exercise that I did a long time ago that, that took me to the end of my life, you know, and I, I looked at it and not just like my deathbed, I wanted to, I, I went a little bit further to where I was looking down on my funeral and, and then, you know, going out a few more years to see how my kids were doing. And, you know, and I really went in depth with that. And, and, and that was really a turning point in my life because everything is in alignment with that now and everything that's not in alignment with it falls away. And, and that is that I want my children to be um, laughing about the good times we had at my funeral I want them to be able to speak to my grandchildren and, and carry on that, that legacy. Here's what it means to be a Cisneros, right? And I've done a lot of work. I mean, in my will, there's videos that come out, you know, and, oh, wow. and little, here's what I learned about this situation. And here's what I learned about that situation. So that there's that, that education of what it's like to be a Cisneros, right? I mean, we had our own coat of arms built because I want it to matter. I want people, you know, I want, I, I, I want the, the name to mean something. And, and so in order to do that, what I had to do was I had to get right with my past, which, you know, was, was horrible, horrible. I mean, I was a selfish human being. I lied. I cheated on my wife. I went bankrupt. I, you know, I did all of these things when I was thinking and centered around the wrong ideals in life. And then to see that, and I wanted all that to be out there for my for if nobody else, but for my children and for my grandchildren, for our life to say, look, you're going to make mistakes in life, right? You're going to make mistakes, but it, you know, the best people like your kids, I look at your kids and I go, Oh my God, they don't even understand the value of getting good education. Like it took me into my thirties to realize that it's not a good thing to lie to people that it's not, you know, these are things that, because when you're raised the way that I was raised, it was, it was, you know, physical abuse gets you what you want. You've got, you know, your physical, physical intimidation, why, you know, whatever it is. And, and the, the basis for our kids uh, and my kids and, 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 and my future generations, I want them to know, look, I, here's what happens. I was, you know, Tony talks about a warning and an example. Mm-hmm. I've been both, you know, I was a warning with my earlier life and I'm doing my best to be a good example moving forward. And, and so that's, you know, that's what I would tell people is go, go to the end of your life and, and know that it's beyond today and that, that, that what you're, what you're going to really, when you figure out what your legacy is going to be, it will, it will direct your day-to-day activities. Man, I love, love, love that. That is the best advice. That's a great exercise for everybody to do, right? Like when they, after listening to this podcast, go take some time to go do that. It's interesting because in, um, in Kabbalah, it talks about, 
that, you know, your job isn't to come in the world and be a good person and leave the world a good person. You know, it's all about what lessons did you learn? And did you come in here and learn those lessons that you needed to learn in this lifetime? And I just, I appreciate your vulnerability. I appreciate just who you are as a human, um, as, as a man, a gentleman. I just respect you. And the event is in a couple of weeks. How do we, how can people still find out a little bit about the event and join us there in Naples? Yeah, it's unstoppablegc.com. It's unstoppablegc.com. And, and uh, you know, this is, this is an experiment, you know, it's an experiment. And it's what got my favorite people. You're there, which is full circle for me. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you're going to come and be the MC. I, I couldn't have designed a better, a better MC for, for me in the event. I've seen you work other events. I've watched you work in, in so many different capacities and, and such a full circle for you that put me on this path to be there when we launched this one. Oh, we're just getting started. I know we are. You know that you know that I'm gonna be on you as we say in the South, like white on rice right now. I'm gonna be on you. I'm be on you. <laughs> yes. The world needs to know more about Lauren Lahab. Like that <laughs> that is hundred percent. I'm gonna make sure that they do. But uh, yeah, get there. We've got, you know, like Ed Sullivan's gonna be there. Ed Sullivan launched Oprah's career. Um, he never does speaking engagements. He's a dear friend of mine, he's been a mentor for many years. Uh, he launched many of the brands that people know, Hulu and, uh, you know, the, there's 60 plus thing. He was uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch's right hand man for many years. Disney, uh, he rebranded the Academy uh, for the Academy Awards, uh, turned around CBS, like did just massive, massive things. And he's friends with Mike, the My Pillow guy. Right? That's, like that's, what, that's the thing that my husband's super excited about. <laughs> this, this guy knows so many people, man, and he's, uh, he's, but he's never spoken from stage. He's been busy wow. creating billions of dollars of value, uh, and, and you can't hire him. You, there's no way for you to hire him. So get there and listen to him. And there's multiple other people that are on stage that are, that are just as talented or competent in their own level. And I handpicked all of them from people that I've interacted with and that I love and adore and and that I trust more importantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate it. I love you very much and uh, I look forward to seeing you. Absolutely. Are you ready to start 2020 strong? Go to laurenlahav.com. That's L-O-R-E-N-L-A-H-A-V.com and learn more about Lauren's manifestation course. Use code STAYTRUE for your podcast subscriber discount.